Hello and welcome to Repertory Screenings episode 94. I'm your host, Em, and with me, I'm our regular co-host, Jackson. Hello. And Destiny. Hello. And we're here to talk about some fucking movies. Not Jackson. Me. Nope. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're not gaming. What have you watched this week? I have played like 26 <laughs> yeah, hours of Final Fantasy 15 You've in about three days. You've gone all in on gaming this week, so I know. <laughs> you know what it's like. You know exactly what that's like. Yeah, yeah no, you have nothing. I, I, it's fine. You're legal. Um, we're recording this, I will say, uh, like a week early. It's coming out normal schedule, but oh, we okay. are recording a week early. Uh, so I uh, was not expecting Jackson to have movies. I inexplicably got in a movie mood a little bit, so I have a couple things. Destiny, though, I know you have at least one movie. I think only one. The movie we watched, watched together. together. <laughs> yes. Uh, Albert Brooks's Lost in America. Yeah, from 1985. It was so fucking funny. I loved this movie. Would you uh, like to describe Lost in America to people? It's about this married couple. I think they're yuppies. I'm pretty sure they're, they're yuppies. They're absolutely yuppies. He he gets he has a hundred thousand dollar ad sale like advertisement job. He's a yuppie. Oh yeah, they're yuppies. Okay, so he's an advertiser, and I don't know quite what she does. They say what she does. I just she has an office job too, like a high paying one, and mm. they decide like they're both like having ennui, and and they both decide to drop out of society together. And <laughs> like Easy Rider, they explicitly say like Easy Rider. Yeah, Easy Rider is his inspiration. And it's like, so they get an RV and they have this plan. Like, here's okay, this is what we did here. We're taking out our nest egg and we're going to live on this money and we're just going to travel. And then I think the first place they hit up is Reno because they decide they want to. It's just Vegas. They, they go to Vegas. They go to Vegas because they want to renew their vows. And. <clears throat> Wife gets up in the middle of the night. I cannot remember this actress's name. Julie, Julie Haggerty. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, most <clears throat> most known for uh, Airplane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she she gambles away the, all of the money that they uh, need for this this plan in one night while he's asleep. Yep, all of it. Bet's As on in she like she like she she's like oh we'll like have our uh, pre second marriage sex as soon as I take this really long shower and then he falls asleep and she disappears to the roulette table. <laughs> Yeah, so she loses it all, and they kind of just have to go from there, and it's just hijinks ensue, and it's 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 great. I really like this movie. Uh, Julie Haggerty is a treat. Yeah, um, it's really goofy, like in that it is just about isn't it fun to watch rich people f- suck and learn nothing. <laughs> And you know what it is. <laughs> it's one of those. Um, it's, 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 you know, we're going to come back around to this lesson we talk about this movie that we talked our mo- movie this week. Uh, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, but um, yeah, it, when it, Albert Brooks was like, I wanted to make a Lost in America or uh, hey, sorry, I want to make Lost in America as a movie. Like, I, I liked Easy Rider, but you can't do Easy Rider in the 80s. No one's allowed to do Easy Rider anymore. It's not real. And I want to make a movie about how if you did try to drop out, you'd go back to begging for your job within two weeks. <laughs> um. And uh, that's what he made. It's, it's it is it is very fun. There's a bit where like like we're gonna get an RV and we're gonna go across the country and it, it, all their friends do like a going away party and they have this giant sheet cake of America and it says congrats, uh, David and Linda, spirit. we're with you in spirit, which is like the most <laughs> condescending way to send them off. <laughs> um, we're it's really fun. Yeah, Albert Brooks makes a good movie. This is like only my second Albert Brooks movie. I need to watch the rest of his films. Yeah, me too. I there's a uh, HBO Max documentary about him coming out that I really want to watch, so I want to catch up on his stuff. Yeah. 
I kind of just um, know him as a Simpsons guy and a Saturday yeah. Night Live guy. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, uh, I had a good time with that one. Uh, what else did I watch? I watched The Autopsy of Jane Doe, which is a 2016 horror movie by Andre uh, Overdahl, who's the guy who made Troll Hunter. Um, this was like his first, like, I'm going to Hollywood now that my movie was big. Um, and it's Brian Cox and Emil Hirsch is like a dad and son who run like this small, uh, like mortuary morgue. You know, uh, he's doing autopsies for like the, the sheriff and uh, the sheriff finds a bunch of dead bodies in like this weird, horrible crime gone awry but in the basement they find this buried woman who they don't like just like a body that's buried um and they're like we don't know what the fuck her, she's doing down here she's not part of this weird gun battle um and take her in to get autopsy like we need this overnight because i need to tell the press something because i've got like a bunch of dead bodies and this place doesn't have any crime we're in the middle of nowhere and so they decide to do it all nighter to autopsy this body um and it turns out the body might be more than it appears um it's a witch she's a witch uh and there's like all sorts of supernatural stuff that happens to begin autopsying her, and it's really weird. Uh, this has like one of those like I think this movie's this movie's very well rated on Shutter. That's why I picked it. Um, and uh, it has one of those these where I think the the premise is really good, and I think the screenplay is like way too tidy and neat. Like this is one where it's like someone was really proud of this, and when people read it, like this is Cracker Jack. Um, and, and I kind of did, did, did like they those say movies. that? Did they say it was Cracker Jack? Yes, they did. They said this is Cracker Jack. <laughs> um, and I don't really always like those movies because, like, it goes from um, setup of the family dynamic where, like, the mom died and they're both like not communicating about it, and he's thinking he might move away because he doesn't want to work at this dumb mortuary the rest of his life, but he still loves his dad, wants to help support him, and Brian Cox is like aware of this but unwilling to communicate it because he's Brian Cox and. Uh, and then this thing falls in their lap and it's kind of spooky. But then immediately into the sh second act, it's like, oh, she's there's a ghost happening and we're seeing things and like fighting the visions that appear. And maybe and then like third act, the bodies get up and in the morgue and walk around and they're like, we have to fight her. I can't believe she hasn't killed us yet. We have to kill her before she can kill us. Just like very like moving through the three acts screenwriterly. I'm sure whenever it landed on someone's desk, like this movie's going to do great. And it did. But I find those movies too tidy. I wish there was just more like weird hangout nothing going on. Um, cause it's like a fast 30, like 90 minutes, like 86 minutes. It fucking moves. Oh, wow. Um, and, um, so it's good, but it's like not to my taste. Um, but like I said, I understand why people like really leapt for it. Um, uh, I want to see, he made that movie. That's like the one chapter of, uh, Dracula on the boat. Uh, that's an entire movie. I would like to see that at some point. I am here to say that the production Wikipedia says it the script was just one he found on the blacklist. So yeah, absolutely, that's every hallmark of that. So that makes sense. I had not looked at that, but you can tell you watch enough movies, you're like, I know what like a blacklist like darling script looks like. He he, the director has done found footage stuff and wanted to prove that he could do real horror yeah. movies and was like get yeah. me a real fucking horror movie because uh, troll hunter is this like european found footage movie about a bunch of guys who go out and like we're gonna hunt trolls as if it's like a real thing that, that you're like norwegians do or whatever i don't know what country he's from um and i saw that in a theater and i thought it was all right it was, was kind of goofy but i enjoyed it mm -hmm. and this one this one again was all right uh, i enjoyed it um but i was not like over the moon the way a lot of people are mill hirsch pretty good I, w I hope he's doing all right. <laughs> I feel like being in Speed Racer violence? ruined that man's career. What'd he do? Isn't he doing domestic violence? Is, am I, am oh, I... is he? I did not know oh, that. Oh, I didn't know that. <clears throat> uh, no, just regular violence, you... not domestic violence. Uh, <laughs> oh, is he doing real violence? What happened? Did he get in a fight with someone? Uh, he, after attacking and strangling the Paramount Pictures executive, Danielle Burnfield, with his bare hands, 
uh, in an oh, he's, he was like, I was drinking and taking soup. You know what? Uh, good on him. It's a Paramount Pictures executive. He probably had a comment. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, I'm, I'm obviously I'm not here to like d- defend anything, but I will say the uh, getting too drunk and strangling a Paramount executive uh, is not as morally bad as. Yes, I'm not. I'm not complaining about that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, were you thinking of the uh, the baby driver guy? No, I was thinking of Emil Hirsch because I've, okay. I've, I've, I've forgot the specific details. But yes, okay. the baby driver guy is legitimately yes. canceled. Oh, right. He was in Once Upon a in Hollywood. I kind of blacked out everything that happened in Once Upon a in Hollywood. Man. <laughs> yeah, I did not like movie. that movie. Uh, that's a movie I don't like. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, speaking of movies I did like, I watched Marie Antoinette, the 2006 movie by Sofia Coppola. Um, if you listen to the Great Gundam Project, which you can get at patreon.com slash normal mapping for one dollar uh, a month, uh, we are watching Rose of Versailles, a famous 70s anime about uh, the court of Versailles and Marie Antoinette. And uh, we finally got to the part where Marie Antoinette is queen and uh, like just being the worst. And I was like, I've always wanted to see Marie Antoinette and I can't read the Rose of Versailles manga yet. And I just was like, I kind of want to see what another take on this character looks like. Um, and so I've been meaning to watch this movie for ages. I, I can't believe I missed it in 2006. I saw uh, it in the I theater. Was really into Sofia Coppola in 2006. <laughs> um, less so these days. Um, I've only seen two Sofia Coppola movies and I thought they were, on average, okay. I liked Lost in Translation just fine. And Lost in Translation was one of my favorite movies as a teenager. Same. Uh, with the caveat that I recognize that it's turbo racist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's got that problems. wasn't my complaint. <clears throat> I thought it was kind of boring. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say it was a formative film for High School Destiny. Yeah. I, I have wanted to be my clear bigger problem structurally with it now, yes. Yeah, I just wanted to be clear. I was not doing the moral, like, oh, I can't watch yeah. Lost in Translation now. That was not my critique. And <laughs> I saw The Bling Ring, which was a <laughs> Vap of so Nothing movie terrible. I hated, yes. Yeah, that yeah. movie sucks. Did y'all see... Oh, wait. Okay, you've only seen two. Okay, I've only yeah. seen two, yes. I've seen Virgin Suicides, and I really liked that, even though I think it is the widest movie ever made. And, um... What's the other one? Uh, Someday? Some... Yeah, Someday. With uh, mm-hmm. the guy. That movie was pretty good. Uh, anyway, Marie Antoinette is interesting in that it is it is based on a, a relatively modern book at the time the movie is made that is much more like sympathetic to Marie Antoinette as a, as a historical figure. Um, being like, you know, she was kind of put in a position and she did try to uh, navigate the revolution when it happened. And I looked at Wikipedia and like, she's a, she's around. A, I got some spoilers for real life. Uh, she's around a long time after the revolution happens, trying to figure out what France is going to look like. Um, the thing that I like about that, that I actually kind of don't like about Rosa Versailles. I have, I have to talk a little about Rosa Versailles here. Sorry uh, for anyone who's not following along the Great Gundam Project. But I don't <laughs> think that's that many people is Rosa Versailles paints Marie Antoinette as like a, a beautiful, shining exemplar of like innocent girlhood who's basically like an idiot puppy at all times. Yes, correct. Yes. <laughs> um, who is constantly being lied to and manipulated by like scheming women around her and men. Um, and Marie Antoinette is much more willing to give Marie Antoinette agency in her life and like an awareness of the world around her. But also understand like she's she doesn't see poor people right she lives in a bubble there's no even when she understands oh taxes are too high people are suffering she has no awareness of what that means and what she could do about it and what like state power actually looks like because she's been raised she was like in her like palace and then her mom sent her to go be the queen of france and then everyone in france was like well we just need you to sit there and look pretty and please understand how the court works and her whole life has just been like literally in like a weird cage which does not absolve her for culpability in it but it does mean like when asked to can you please like 
reform, she's going to have no fucking idea what that looks like. <laughs> uh, yeah. And no one around her can give her direction on what that looks like because they're all invested in continuing the monarchy. It's true, though. Yeah. Um, the movie's mostly about how um, Jason Schwartzman as Louis the Sixteenth uh, doesn't know what sex is. I mean, he knows, but he doesn't really know how to do it and he's not interested. He's busy making keys. Um, okay, so that's and- constant between <laughs> yes. both depictions. And so everyone's everyone's like, are you going to produce an heir? What the fuck's going on? Your job is literally just have a kid. That's all you've got to do. And when she can't do that because it's, it's she's trying and it's just not working, uh, that's when she starts spending and like cavorting. Um and the the women around her, like uh, uh, Countess Du Polignac, who's like a major character in Rosa Versailles right now, is just like Maria Antoinette. Maria Antoinette needs friends. Like she has servants, but those aren't your friends. You need friends, and she accepts it. She's not being manipulated by a bunch of like scheming shoujo villainous women. Uh, it's just her friends, and her friends are also in the bubble. And it's like it's not like good, but it's fine. Uh, I I really like this movie. Um, mm. By the time Furson shows up and she's like, I'm going to fuck this guy because my husband's a dope. You're like, God, anything to get you out of like spending money and like living in like this ennui where all you can do is like retail therapy yourself as Queen of France. <laughs> um, it's good. Uh, Rip Torn is uh, King Louis the 15th. He's great in it. He's fucking oh, great in it. <laughs> yes. That's pretty good. That's pretty he just good. has this like great like grandfatherly like I this this beautiful, beautiful Austrian girl showed up on my doorstep and I think she's very sweet and I want to be the one person who's kind to her because everyone else is eating her alive. <laughs> uh, Rip Torn can do that. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> um, uh, so it's good. Uh, if, you, if you like Rosa Versailles, you should watch Marie Antoinette. Uh, Countess Dubarry does not get a ton in it. It's like Asia Argento, and she's barely in it because the the king dies one third into the movie, and uh, he he does send her away the minute he gets sick, as in uh, real life. And uh, there's just a bit of her leaving, but she's just nasty. There's none of the cool. She's the one woman from the streets who pulled herself up and made something of herself in uh, the movie. Uh, yeah, I assume this doesn't have the thing where like Rosa Versailles is about like the dream of class mobility on some level no like, no it's not about that at all yeah it is about it is about versailles is like living in like a weird stasis where your world you're you, you are in the most beautiful trap that's ever existed yeah you just can't perceive the world outside because yeah. you're in the biggest prison on earth to be the yeah. richest person ever it's a city you're, she's never leaving it like she's not yeah. seeing the rest of france yes um and uh, I like that stuff quite a bit. Uh, I think the movie's really good. It's shot mostly in Versailles. It looks incredible. Uh, yeah. Good on them for being able to go shoot it in the real place. Um, it has a lot of... Uh, Sofia Coppola was doing her best I'm going to do Barry Lyndon throughout this movie. It looks, it looks really good. <laughs> uh, we need to watch Barry Lyndon at some point because I'm the only one of this trio who's fucking seen it. <laughs> you yeah. have said for many years, like, one day I'm going to do Barry Lyndon, but I don't know when, yeah. when you'll call that favor in. When you yep. hey, it's when you can when when you get to your pick and go, you know what I could do with with a three hour movie right now is is when you watch Barry Lyndon. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Kristen Dunst is great in it though. She truly carries the entire movie. Uh, she's fantastic. So recommend. I wasn't expecting to like as much as I did. Yeah. Uh, so that's it for my movie. So I guess we can get into our movie club movie this week. Uh, we are watching The Jerk, the 1979 movie directed by Carl Reiner, written by Steve Martin, Carl Gottlieb, and My- uh, Michael Elias. Uh, this, like I said, came out in 1979. Destiny, this is a movie of your childhood. So you, you, you get to tell us why you picked it, and then we'll have Jackson summarize it. I picked it. Oh, you picked it. Never mind. Jackson, why did you pick it? Because <laughs> it was a movie uh, of Destiny's childhood. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well then, please summarize it. 
<laughs> well, because I was, I was I had another movie in mind, but I was like, that might be a too boring conversation because you know we know I already know what we kind of think about Michael Mann, even though I want to watch Thief and it'd be an interesting conversation. Uh, oh, there's this other movie that Destiny literally always brings up as one of her favorite movies of all time. It's a seventies movie. Um, maybe it'll be pretty good. Uh, and so I watched it, and then we watched The Jerk, and that's that's where we are now. Uh, and it's Would you okay. like to summarize The Jerk? Really, no. Uh, <laughs> Steve Martin plays Naven Johnson, uh, who is uh, an adopted son of like a cartoonish black family in Mississippi who go- goes off on a journey and just has just a series of cartoonish episodes happen to him as he goes to St. Louis to uh, uh, like live and immediately works in a gas station and invents magic like a glasses thing that you can pull off in the middle rather than breaking them by pulling off at the edges and i'm like that just seems pretty useful i i <laughs> the the the, temp, the right temple of my glasses is loose because i pull them off that way <laughs> yeah, yeah i was like that happens loose. to me mm-hmm. uh, and then i thought like that doesn't exist so there must be a reason this wouldn't work because i don't think uh, it's the reason they give in the movie i'll be not honest the reason they give in the movie but like it is so obvious like i mean it just looks really stupid it does look it does look stupid. really stupid so maybe it's just that uh but anyway um and through this goes on a series of episodes just on an odyssey in the city uh like moves to a circus hooks up with the random lady of the circus uh falls in love with uh marie um who is Bernadette Peters and that's like the main story such as it is in this movie is about uh, falling in love with her him leaving uh, her leaving him him trying to get a, her back uh, discovering that in inventing these uh, glasses he's become a millionaire uh, losing, it, losing it all uh, and ending up on the street where his family find him and take him and his wife back to <laughs> Mississippi where they knock down the old house and build a bigger one which is <laughs> but the it's same still house. like a weird sharecropper cabin <laughs> no it's, the, it's literally the same model but like, like the door, they are smaller than the door now. Like it, it's different. Yes. Like, it's the same set but rebuilt on a slightly bigger scale. Um, so that's the movie. Uh, it is significantly more stupid than I thought it would be. It's one of the stupidest yeah. movies I've ever seen. I had what I would describe as an acceptably funny time with this. I thought it was totally fine. I have like deep thoughts. But I thought it was fine. I knew you would think it was stupid. I expected you to hate it. No, I didn't hate it. It's, it's like it's funny. There's good jokes. There's good jokes. Yeah, Not all of them. Yeah, not so, all of them work, but it, so I think it's great. I My Steve Martin pull is Roxanne, the 80s adaptation of Cyrano de Bergerac, um, which is great. And he plays the, you know, Cyrano de Bergerac in that. Um, and so my 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 view of Steve Martin is like a smooth talking, too smart for his own good, kind of slimy, but charming guy. Um and this is not this is based on his like Santa back, which had the line, I was born a poor black child or whatever. Um, and he was like a, he's like an absurdist comic and he was breaking out. And he's like, I want to go and get in a movie. So, he you know, he got a movie made kind of based on gimmicks from his act, um, which is just not at all what the Steve Martin I think of is. And so running into the opening of this movie where like I'm like, is he meant to play a child? Is he like playing a simpleton? What is happening here? Um I literally thought for the first like 10 minutes that he it was meant to be him at 12 and he was just like a grown man playing a kid because that's how he's acting. Um, I think it is. Is it not meant to be that? No, no he's an adult no. man. <laughs> he's an adult. He's just yeah. really dumb. Yeah, but like don't they give him like a 2-year birth? I thought the joke was he was that was also true, but I didn't I guess it I guess it did I thought he was playing him for his whole life and that was one of the gags. Oh, but, you know I, I wasn't precise about that. There's nothing. There's nothing about it that implies that a huge amount of time has passed. Really, that's true. That's true because he does after his birthday immediately discover who he is and go off on the journey, and it's just normal. 
but I imagined that in the uh, I don't know. It's not really concerned. It's not really concerned about that. My favorite. Um, oh, go on. No. So, so the thing is, I don't like comedy about people playing like charming but goofy simpleton characters. <laughs> I don't think it's funny. Um, I think it can often be a little mean spirited. In fact, um, and it's cringe. I think like in the, like the traditional sense of, I find it hard to watch sometimes when people are being like condescending to him because they think he's an idiot. Um, I'm like, this is all an act. What are we doing here? Uh, the actual thing watching this movie, I was like, uh, a shot through time, the audacity of Forrest Gump to exist when this movie is basically for making fun of the concept of Forrest Gump in real time, like 14 years earlier. Uh, yeah, pretty much. He's not like engaging with. Like, I mean, it definitely feels in line with like um, the movie I thought of was uh, what's the Johnny Cash one called? The the the, the parody of that. The, oh, the, Walk Hard. D- oh, yeah, Walk, I've yeah. seen Walk Hard. But in turn, like it's not it's not a biopic, but it has such similar to the like you know Odyssey of Time, as you follow this one person, yeah. you see their whole history and life. Uh, that it definitely feels in line with those kind of jokes. But uh, it's just, just ahead it's, of those movies. Yeah, um, all of the weird like racial stuff uh, that Forrest Gump, like Forrest Gump's named after uh, the, the, the 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 fucking Klansman. Klan guy. Yeah, um, him inventing things uh, like Forrest Gump invents the smiley face and get, like have, buys early Apple computer stock or whatever, um, and uh, all of that shit is just like in here already. Um, and it's weird. So like, I really thought the first like 20 minutes of this movie was deeply unpleasant. Uh, other than the <laughs> random guy who tries to kill him. I thought that was like the first bit. I was like, man, I'm really buying into the, this random guy shooting him, which is the most seventies plot in the world. Uh, people should watch targets. If you want to watch a real movie about a guy who just shoots people, uh, that movie's incredible. It's like a full on thriller, but it's really good. Um, and, um, once he, once he meets Bernadette Peters, she fucking holds this movie down. <laughs> I think she's uh. really good in it. Yeah, I mean the the thing the thing that happens like once it becomes about like the various women uh, is that he's just not as stupid as I thought he was. Yes, yeah. He's just a li- he's like he's got a little more uh, conniving, I guess, in his like comic persona, which yes. I I do think brings it because like Forrest Gump just literally an idiot who will believe yes. anything he says is told, yes. right? Like yes. Whereas he's like, but that's how oh. the beginning of this movie starts, right? Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know about this. <laughs> no, and it just takes it in a slightly different direction, um, which I do think works better. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't as down on the beginning as you because I just think there's good jokes in there. I think the um, opening is amazing. I love movies where people talk to the camera. I love <laughs> I was born a poor black child. Like that, I quote that line all the time. That is like, I don't know. There's something. It's deeply yeah. childish of me, but I love. No, a I white mean this guy is a movie that, you saw as a child, and it fits your. You like when things are really stupid. Yes. in this exact way. The, the bit um, where he hears the fucking stupid corny song on the radio and starts and he finally yes. gets the rhythm. Yes, because it's a white people rhythm. Is very good. That part is very. That funny. really funny. So funny. I love that so much. Like he just can't keep the beat until he fucking. <laughs> Uh, here's the ch- cheesy music. Oh, it makes me so happy. Oh, Literally so my funny. mom hearing fucking Michael Bublé at Christmas. It's like exactly. <laughs> um, I really like the bit where his dad goes, all right, I need to tell you everything you're going to know to go out in the world. You see that? That shit. You see this? This is Shinola. Can you identify the two? He's like, yeah, that shit. That's Shinola. He's like, good. You're good to go. Oh, <laughs> um, that's a very stupid little bit. But yeah, Burnett Peter shows up and she's just, um, 
a true classic Hollywood ingenue. And it really reframes, which like the movie is about is doing Steve Martin's character as a like little tramp style man moving through America. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, yeah. I mean, it's, it's completely like doing that kind of yeah. like, silent movie comedy. Right. With yeah. Gags as well. Yeah. She and looks I think, like I think, a silent movie starlet. Yes. And I think having the the protect like having a love interest really like reframes that the bit where she's leaving him because he's a bum and he's in the he's in the the bath just singing a song as he makes up along the way I'm like this is this is the most relatable thing in the world I also make up stupid songs about whatever I'm doing at any given moment all the time <laughs> um, and she's like sobbing but singing along and then like she's so overcome she pulls out her cornet to to play along with it <laughs> yeah I would say the jokes in this movie have like a below 50% hit rate but when they hit they're pretty fucking yeah. funny it just has and so many jokes so here's the thing like once he gets once he gets his first amount of money and becomes rich most of the jokes start landing for me and I just fundamentally think it's easier to laugh at stupid rich people than stupid poor people that's just um, true that's, that's just fair yes. yeah that's true so like Wes Anderson montage of his rich house <laughs> had me losing my shit and it just keeps yeah. going through cornier and cornier rooms well I'm I love when he that. gets his first $250,000 check um he buys an enormous portrait and then takes it into his shitty house. <laughs> and then, and then he has a, a butler and a housekeeper, but they're just like sleeping in the same bed as him and his girlfriend. Cause they're still in the old house until he gets like the bigger one. And the butler's like, I think it's time for a bigger house. So. I like when they shoot the butler's wife. <laughs> they do that shoot the butler's so wife. And he's like, Oh, can't dwell on it forever. So. <laughs> Um, there's a bit where um, they're in, like, they go to the they go to the restaurant and he like he's like, okay, no more of the 66. I need f- your freshest wine. Stop trying to pawn the uh, old stuff off on us. We're wealthy. We can have the fresh wine. <laughs> um, but then, like, literally a scene later, he's got the 66 in a fucking water cooler by his, like, tennis court. Um, with he, like, he, has, he has, like, a paper cup dispenser, but they're wine glasses. And he pours the 66 and it does the whole burbling thing like a fucking water dispenser. It's really goofy. <laughs> Uh, that bit's because he's got the fucking he's got like wine in in like water tubs that you just yeah it's like, like it's like a white and a red but they are the <laughs> wines that literally a scene ago he was said he was too good for um like the, like his awareness of what being rich is is like increasing exponentially well, flowers for Algernon line, but for class signifiers the, the, the line that he says at this moment is like we've we've uh, like become I forgot what line it's like it's like we've, we've learned a lot so about much, being rich in such a short time yeah it's like we've developed so much culture in a short time if not yeah. it doesn't say rich it's like we're so, yeah. we're so high class now while he's drinking this wine it's, it's pretty good there's a little umbrella oh. in it yeah <laughs> yes um, but then it turns out his glasses, his little like nose gra- glasses form a magnet shape, which is drawing people's eyes together and everyone's becoming permanently cross-eyed. There's a bit where on the news, uh, famous director Carl Reiner is the first person to call it out. It's like, now I'm permanently cross-eyed. You, you, do, you, do you know what this does to my film career? And then shows a clip of his most recent movie. <laughs> because he can't do depth perception, he doesn't say cut and the fucking actors drive a car off the cliff inside. <laughs> Those actors would still be alive today if it weren't for the opti grab. <laughs> that's uh that's a bit that landed for me. I love it. I love a car um, crash bit. <sighs> so yeah, he sued for like ten million dollars in damages for all like it's like nine hundred thousand plaintiffs, so everyone gets a dollar nine cents. He has to write the checks by hand. Yes. Uh, and so he and his wife break up and he ends up poor, and then his family, because he's been sending them money. Like it starts where he's like working at the gas station, he's making like a dollar ten an hour, and he's he's sending them like 
three cents or whatever. And his dad had just been investing it in like cocoa. like soybeans. Yeah. And, what cocoa beans, right? Yeah, cocoa shares. It's like a seventies joke. I think yeah. that's a race joke from the seventies. I don't get it. But okay. whatever they're investing in is very black because his sister says right on after he says it. Um and uh yeah, they they end up making a bunch of money and living in that house that's just slightly twenty percent bigger than the old house. It's a really it's a really good gag. Yeah. There's a lot of like set based sight gags yes. in this movie, which I think are pretty funny. Uh you saw the thing the uh like um Siskel and Ebert like was it was it Ebert it's like this is just, this is not a story these are gags and some of them are good but they don't build anything and I was like yeah no this is correct <laughs> it's that's, okay that's true. I don't mind a movie that's just I don't know like I don't need it to build to anything <laughs> um yeah it's weird like I like I said I think the back half works more for me I think some of the better jokes are there um but it, it is like it is just you know, a f- comedian's first movie building other stand-up bits, and because of that, does it barely holds together. Um, but the narrative that he built it in is the framework of like a bunch of classic Hollywood pictures. And so I look at it and I go, "Man, we didn't, we don't, we never have to do the uh, the Forrest Gump blockbusters I keep threatening Jackson with." Oh, I fucking kill myself! Don't make me. Do that. <laughs> <laughs> this movie literally ends in the reveal of the fucking stocks. Like it's it's. He, I can't believe they made Forrest Gump completely honestly after this film. Yeah. Like, what, 16 years later? Yeah. 15 years? It's Forrest yeah. Gump 94, 96. I don't, I don't remember. 94, I think. Yeah. 15 yeah. years later, Forrest Gump. Yeah. yeah. The only thing this doesn't have is him moving through the history of America, but that's the shit in Forrest Gump that's like the worst. So, you know. <laughs> I mean, if they had had the budget, who knows? Yeah. Um,. So yeah, I think I maybe might be the most down on this of all three of us, but I still enjoyed it. There's 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 the bit where he storms out of the the mansion. He's like, I don't need anything except uh, except this uh, this lamp. I need this lamp, uh, but that's the only thing I need. Me and myself and this lamp, and I'll get the fuck out of here. Oh, and this these matches. I need these matches. I need these matches and this lamp, and I'll get out of here. Uh, oh, and this remote control. I need this remote control. These matches. These lamps. But I don't need anything else. <laughs> so he's like slowly gathering this like katamari ball of bullshit to leave the house. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Em's like, that's something I would do in real life. <laughs> that is absolutely something you do in real life. <laughs> it's also stuff, like, I find funny. I love when, uh, that particular, like, joke goes on a little too long humor. The, the, the one thing Destiny really loved, and could, like, quote it, you're like, yeah, I could quote it, is, like, the speech where he, he's talking to her while she's sleeping, and just, like, this day has felt like, uh... <laughs> well, no- this week to, I don't have it memorized anymore but like essentially yeah. saying like the week we were together felt more like six months and three weeks and here's why <laughs> and he breaks it all down <laughs> the first day felt like three days and the second day felt like and it's just it goes on way too long and then at the end he's like I have it written down if you want to take a look at it later <laughs> I love that I, mean, I used to have that whole speech as one of my online bios because I thought it was so funny <laughs> Uh, That's yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, it's weird because, like, I was, I like, I said, I, th- I thought the first half was kind of bad, um, and it just got into it later. And um, talking about, it, I'm like, man, all this stuff was really good. It sits in the brain better than like actually watching it, which is, I think, the the ideal form of a comedy in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like, um, it's, it's like a deeply apolitical movie, despite its like uh, 
the premise of it, the race premise of a lot of its comedy uh, in mm. that it literally just wants to serve some gags, right? And those gags are like from a culture and it's doing some things like it's doing jokes about stupid people. It's doing jokes about black people now. It's doing, and, and I think generally uh, I say it comes out like on the good side of those, but I would say like at least for 70s movies, right? Yeah. It's not... It is actively not trying to do anything other than be goofy with them. There is no greater intent with this at all. Uh, so that just means you just kind of forget the bad jokes. Uh, yeah. I don't think there's any... Like, it's not like Life of Brian, right? Well, it's also an uh, episode, episodic series of, of bits, but they're all bits about how those stupid anarchists need to stop complaining about the British Oh, Empire. yeah, they're really feeding it an ideology, which I do not believe Steve Martin has an ideology. No. <laughs> no but, jerk. It's like ideological like ideas seeping in from the culture he's portraying yeah. right and it's, I yeah, think yeah. it's generally like trying to be like there's a bit where he beats up all the racists at the end because he was <laughs> well, black it's, uh, it's really weird because they're using like the the fucking old-timey italian racist terms that i only hear on the sopranos <laughs> <laughs> yes he just does, he doesn't know what they're talking and, about and his so it's weird because like his girlfriend keeps giving him gold chains uh as like part of it like oh we're rich now so oh it's another day another gold necklace for yourself but the he's like in his like robe just like doing whatever and when they they drop the n-word and he gets in, incensed because he's like i sir am an n-word <laughs> and then drops his jacket but he's wearing all these gold chains and he's just got like pajama pants on so he's he ends up doing like black exploitation kung fu stuff in that scene it's ridiculous it's it's maybe the most 70s scene in this movie <laughs> yeah i agree <laughs> Because his like the the gag of like he's doing you know uh, black things now because he's very a black family is doing kung fu because it's a seventies. <laughs> <laughs> there was a moment where I had to like put that together in my head because I'm like that's not that's hang on that's not oh okay yeah seventies yeah okay the fucking seventies yeah. fucking wild um, and he definitely leans on like that's not exactly super there are there are like comments about like you couldn't make a movie today because it's not very sensitive I I generally think like. You would have to update it slightly, but I think well-intentioned yeah. white people making fun of like differences is still wildly successful today. We haven't got left that behind. What are you yeah, talking exactly. about? Yeah, exactly. That has not gone anywhere. It's still kind of funny. I still have a soft spot. Jim Carrey had those two black sons and me, myself, and I really was three black sons. <laughs> me and my mom yeah. thought that was the funniest shit in the world. We love a cultural difference. We love it. Yeah. <laughs> like the uh, there's, the, there's the bit where in uh, Charlie's Angels uh, where uh, Bernie Mac and uh, and um, Bill Murray are both Bosley because they're from the same family. <laughs> yeah, uh, very silly. Yeah, no, I, I love shit like that. Like it's 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 very well intentioned, white guy. But it it it, it comes from I think it comes from a place of uh, you know it, it doesn't come from a mean place, but it definitely uh, <laughs> could be better, and it definitely. Uh, probably offended people at the time but i don't know i don't think it's a movie you couldn't get away with today no yeah i, I think it's extremely in line of a long tradition of white comedians doing the stuff and i think it mostly lands okay like it, you know it could have gone way worse right like exactly. i've seen versions of this that have gone way worse mm -hmm. um, yeah it puts me in the mind of and i hate to bring him up but he did make these kinds of movies uh the very very early woody allen stuff uh, take the money and run and bananas specifically. Did y'all ever see those? I think yeah. I've seen bananas. Okay, yeah. I was gonna, wa oh, I was go gonna watch all the Woody Allen movies in order, and then obviously at some point I was like, well, I don't want to do that. We're anymore. not gonna do that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, so I, it just means I've only seen a lot of the fucking terrible ones. <laughs> <laughs> uh, excuse you, his earlier funnier ones. Yeah, his earlier yeah. funnier ones are pretty funny. Uh, eh, eh, I don't know about that. I, I still think bananas has a lot of great gags in it, but. I 
I did think that when it cut back to him, like at the start of the movie, and he's like eating at the table, but he's just like old Steve Martin. I did think of the bit where he's like uh, in Annie Hall, just as old uh, Woody Allen. I, I that's what I thought it was doing. That's oh, why the I rabbi assumed it was doing that. Uh, no, he's just in school. He's just in school. Oh, then, right, right, right. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Um, I assumed he was doing that. I didn't. I didn't want to bring it up because you know, bring up Woody Allen is a bad idea generally because I don't like him. For many right. Reasons. Yeah. Bad man. But seeing as you brought him up, I did. I did. It, it was like part of the seventies comedy. Like I don't have that much seventies comedy in me, uh, so it was one of my touchstones. Okay. Uh, yeah. Um, anything else? I think we mostly covered it. Comedies are always weird because you just got to talk about what you thought was good. <laughs> um, it's, it's good. Very. I assume it was at the time even very old fashioned. Um, it's weird because like he was like a big like he was like a breakout star, um, and it made a lot of money. It made a lot of money. <laughs> but yeah, I guess it is kind of. I mean, even getting Carl Reiner, like Carl Reiner is the creator of the Dick Van Dyke Show. Like, I think getting Carl Reiner is an old fashioned thing to do. <laughs> I mean, it has the thing I think of when I think like it's, obviously it's like. Clearly inspired by like silent movie slapstick stuff a lot. Yeah. Yes. And and also uh, just like goofy, fast paced gags in the dialogue. Um, but it has the thing where like, oh right, old comedies could like look good. comedies looking bad is like a modern <laughs> invention. Yes. Um, I'd say that's like a thing in the two thousands, right? Where you, you need your like where when you get into the um, more improvisational style comedy, so you just give them a bit of like a flat pulled back look to like allow that you know like the anchor mans or whatever which i think is like yeah. a movie that looks fine but is intentionally not like there's, there's some fucking good ass shots in this movie right it just looks good um i think of blues brothers as well just having like this movie just looks fantastic for no reason yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, which is not a thing that i would assume of a modern day comedy no um all right we want to do questions? Sure. Yeah. questions. Yeah. All right. If you'd like to send questions, you can send them to abnormalmappingpodcast at gmail.com. They can be about our movie club movie or any other movie related thing. Whatever you want. Uh, we had a soft question of the week that basically nobody did, but that's all right. Because uh, Jackson just tossed out there. We can do it uh, next time. No, no, no. We'll, we'll uh, you know, it's fine. Uh, <laughs> Jackson did kind of just toss it out as an idea of... Um, do your own uh mr holland's opus is secretly dead poet society 95 what do you think would be funny uh and I, forrest I gump is the jerk 95 <laughs> yeah uh i was doing the one as time cop 2000 <laughs> uh which would be very funny um jackson did you have any uh, no, I looked at so no one did it. I was like, oh, I guess we're not doing it. I, I no. literally looked earlier at the questions and we're like, do I want to spend time on this? Because and then I realized no one had done it. So I thought, oh, I guess maybe it's not today. And then you sprung it on me. <laughs> you said it for this one. Yeah. But no one did it. No one answered it. So I, I assumed it wasn't happening. It's uh-huh. okay. Uh, Aiden writes in, did you ever get excited for an upcoming TV airing of a movie when you were a kid? I remember a whole week being really excited to watch Deep Impact on TV when I was like 11. So when I was a kid, me and my mom would go rent movies like most weekends. So I think of that more than waiting for TV. I also, um, so I don't think oh, I have an answer for this. I also did the rental thing, but yeah. I also would get the TV guide every week. My mom would bring it home from work. And I would highlight things that I wanted to watch for the whole It's amazing you're not like Cable Guy in real life. <laughs> <laughs> 
So I like get really excited for like all the movies and specials. Oh, TCM show and so and so. Got to watch that on Tuesday. And oh, it's Christmas. Got to watch all the Christmas movies and Christmas specials. And that that was always exciting. Yeah, I don't have a good like I. <laughs> I can't think of a single like movie, like an actual film, but I do remember getting the, it was always the Christmas radio times. And we would look at like the, what movies they were showing over Christmas and find things that were cool. Um, but I don't think I did that too much. Uh, cause I would just like watch stuff on VHS. Also, I wasn't really into movies until I was, was a teenager. Right. I liked movies, but I wasn't, when I looked at the TV guide, right. I wasn't looking for movies. I was just looking for things to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I didn't actually watch that. Like, I, I guess I recorded because um, if a movie was on TV, I would often it would you know record it on VHS. So I had like copies of Return of the Jedi, uh, Tomorrow Never Dies, um, and I think The World Is Not Enough that were just like recorded from my TV at the time, uh, which I watched. The, I watched that copy of Tomorrow Never Dies that was recorded on an ITV so much <laughs> as a kid. Specifically, the fucking car chase where he's in the back of the car looking like an idiot. It's one of my most watched <laughs> cinema. <laughs> Uh, Rick asks, if you had to add the Death Note into one world of any single movie, which one are you picking? I've been thinking about this question ever since I read it, and I still don't have an answer, so let me just think, and I'll come back to me. Uh, well, my thing is that, like, I've had an answer for this for literally years, but it's not a movie. Um, even though, it, first of all, it's everything. Everything should have a Death Note, but it is, I wanted to see the Death Note season of The West Wing uh, so much. <laughs> it's more than anything. More this than is anything. maybe the best right answer in the world. Yeah, yes. I agree. Yeah, I, I don't necessarily, like, there are, I, obviously, any movie I'd like to have, you know, like James Bond could find a Death Note, whatever, John Wick find a Death Note. You can, you can slot it into anything, but specifically, like, the West Wing guys suddenly start having like, oh Fitz Wallace died this week what happened there I don't know someone's got a death note uh, <laughs> I think it works better in TV because there's, there's something very like serialized and stupid about a death note plot that you, I don't know what I'd put it in a movie right in the same way um, yeah I mean, you know, if you throw it into like, this is how we're going to save Fast 10, give them a death note yeah, yeah <laughs> but then if you throw it into the movie that are basically TV shows it writes itself yeah um Star Trek could have a Death Note, but again, that's just oh a TV show that occasionally has movies. <laughs> yes. Which Star Trek gets a Death Note? Um, uh, I would say the uh, Abrams verse. Oh, okay. New ones. Okay. Fair enough. Death Note into Amadeus. Oh my god, <laughs> fuck. This is a good answer. Death he spends the whole an movie searching for the Death Note. Uh, have either of you seen um, Richard Linklater's Slacker? <laughs> yes. No. What if you put like a Death Note in the little uh, hipster Austin, Texas community and see what happens? <laughs> Let's see, God. just see, just see. I just wonder what would happen. Let's just see. <laughs> Let's just see. Let's just see what unfolds. <laughs> um, Hilver writes in, who are your favorite character actresses? Oh, who's going first? We literally had this, con- was it on a podcast, was it? I don't remember. Was the name uh, it was in- favorite actors or actresses. Yeah. But not character, were, not character actors, actresses specifically. You were roasting me and Nora in a, in a DM for not being able to name any women, and now it's going to fucking happen again. Oh, I think that was just group chat. Yeah, yeah, That yeah, was that just group just, chat. That was just group chat. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go if, if you both yeah, going to. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, Madeline Kahn. 
Ruth Gordon, Jean Triplehorn, Lily Taylor, Parker Posey, Thelma Ritter, and Beth Grant. Who's Beth Grant? She was the sparkle motion lady in Donnie Darko. That doesn't mean anything. She always plays like uptight, weird southern ladies. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So it's weird because, like, I think a lot of the answers I would have had once upon a time have become just actresses of note. Like, uh, when I first saw it, I was like, oh, Olivia Coleman. But I'm like, she's too big a deal now. Tilda Swinton used to be a character actress, and that, that is not true anymore. Um, Parker Posey also lives on that, like, knife's edge. But I do think in terms of the popular consciousness, I would still count her. Uh, my answers are, like, Catherine O'Hara, I think, is a good one. Oh, yeah. Um, and then uh, the ones I thought of immediately was Alice Drummond, who's the old lady in uh, Ghostbusters and in Too Wong Fu, Thanks for Everything, Julie Newmar. Um <laughs> And uh, Sylvia Sidney, who is the old lady in Beetlejuice and in Mars Attacks. She's like the old grandma. Um, she, she's been acting since she was like, since like the fucking 30s or whatever. But I always think of her as her old lady roles. Because mm-hmm. what did an 80s, 90s movie need? Old ladies. And uh, gone from cinema, honestly. Yeah. The old lady character. I'm not watching new movies. <laughs> like nowadays, I think Jennifer Coolidge. I think... Uh... Is Catherine Keener still acting? I always, I always liked her. No idea. Jackson? Yeah, I genuinely, I'm like, I don't even know what, I don't even know where the line is on character actors, uh, actors in general. Just um, like actresses who are known for playing, uh, sort of like side characters. Um, yeah, the Olivia Cummins one is funny. That's absolutely one of mine, but in in a way that's like. I literally remember recognizing her on TV when she was like the girl they had on the fucking Mitchell and Webb look, which by the way, she is way too good to be starring as the girl in that they call her the Mitchell and Webb look. And now she's like international superstar. Uh, it's very funny. I don't, I don't, I don't have a, a good answer for this. I don't know. I barely know any actors' names. Okay. All right. Uh, Tron writes in, uh, who is your favorite character in this movie? Mine is Marie. I mean, it, there's no one else but Marie, right? Because like, there's just Navin, who's barely he's just like doing bits. I like I, Navin's older brother, who barely holds it together when he writes the letter about blowjobs. Oh, that guy's so fucking yeah. yeah that guy's so that guy's fucking funny. funny to me. Yeah, I also like <laughs> his mother, so how loving she is, and how like they got that amazing actress to play his mom, um, and then like. She's just, it's just dumb. It's just a dumb role. Um, but yeah, no, Marie's the best. Uh, what's your favorite looking shot in this movie? Um, it's all the mo- the montage of the house. Oh, just that's, going that through the good. gaudy fucking house. <laughs> that is good. I like that they have a whole sequence of uh, just them disco dancing for the hell of it. Really yes, good. I was about to say that. That's one of mine is just the disco scene because it's so 70s. It's so 70s. Um, do you have another one, Destiny, or are you just going to um, take that one, too? I don't mind. Well, let me think. I don't know. It's a, To me, it's not like a, a movie of shots. I really don't think of it that way, so it's hard for me to, like, I just, hmm. Yeah, no, I don't really have anything. Um, Nora writes in, everyone knows the next big craze is going to be video game adaptations, but you've got your eye on another horizon, board game movies. <sighs> What's your first big project? How do you intend to give the audience what they want? Multiverse franchisability. The studios want three standalone movies and one big crossover event. Do you have what it takes? P.S. Jackson, don't forget to watch Twister. 
I did, I did see. I did see. Hey, we got. We got. Ah, fuck! I gotta watch. Ah, oh, what if I like? Can I shoot my leg like a World War One soldier and get out of watching uh, the Battle of Five Armies? And just like no, bug? no, no, you cannot. I like you can still watch movies while you uh, do that. <laughs> if I shot my leg, I would still have to watch. Yeah, just like the smoke. Oh, okay. Um, this was. This is on. This is the. This is the previous Horizon. We already went through this with yes. uh, Battleship. Battleship. Yeah. Which is a terrible fucking movie. I've That's never a seen bad movie. Hey, guess what? It's really bad, and you should not watch it. It's not bad in an interesting way. There's nothing interesting about the way it sucks. Um. I've got an answer. I think it's a good answer. It's what I want to see in the world. I, it kind of doesn't follow Nora's three standalone movies and one big crossover event because we're going to bake the crossover event into the fucking franchise from the jump. We're doing a clue universe. Oh. Clues already primed to make new clues. Uh, Knives Out's huge. People love a murder mystery. Um, but the franchise is going to be Clue, Do, Another Game. So we're going to start with Clue, Do, Clue. Which is where they're just in a house. It's a murder mystery. We're also that that the joke is that Clue do is like Cluedo. Uh, the rest of the world already knows Clue by. Uh, so you already got that one baked in. And then we're gonna do uh, after the murder mystery. Whoever survives is gonna actually everyone survives. That's a secret. Other than Mr. Body, who's dead. Uh, they go on to do Clue do. Uh, guess who? Um, which is where they're tasked with finding uh, multiple murderers in the city. Like they're like, oh, you're the police force now. You've got to figure out who's done this. So the clue group are a bunch of detectives going around trying to solve a bunch of murders. Uh, and then you've got clue do monopoly where they're so successful in that they're put in charge of the city and it turns into them all trying to run different neighbors of the city. And then they try to murder each other once again. And it does end with everybody dying. Uh, clue franchise done in the bag. Got it. Three billion dollars. Thank you. Right. Clue <laughs> do. Guess who is my favorite movie title? <laughs> um, I, so obviously, I also thought clues already exist, clue, but it just like sorts itself to movies so well. But you having the entire fucking franchise plan <laughs> written down to the level of like it's well, clue do, clue do, it's, it's gag works everywhere. International I thought of this over breakfast this morning. I'm like, I should be a fucking studio exec. I'm just so good at it. This is so easy. This shit is so easy. It would, you would be, uh, it would be so easy if you'd be so rich. Like, yeah. <laughs> I would watch all three of these movies. You fucking kidding me? I I love it. Clue Monopoly. <laughs> Clue do Monopoly sounds really fucking good. With if they all die. Uh, mine was dumb. It was gonna be an animated Candyland movie, and the oh, first movie. I bet that exists somewhere. I don't know if it exists. I have no yeah, I'm idea. Look. No, go ahead. Yeah, uh, movie. So the first movie is about the kids coming into Candyland, maybe like you start like a Wizard of Oz thing where they're in the regular world or in Kansas or some shit. Then they get transported to Candyland and they have to like save the king. And then the second movie is the origin story of King Candy. And um uh third movie is the crossover event. They 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 do a snakes and ladders, shoots and ladders, uh depending on the market, uh sort of war movie. Uh, of the Candyland Wars, uh, but that was really all I could think of. There is a Candyland movie supposedly coming out next year. <laughs> <laughs> There's a what? I thought you were going to say there was a Candyland movie in 1983, and it there's was... like an animated movie. But is this real? Is this real? I can't fucking tell. <laughs> Mm -mm. 
Are you just googling this movie and trying to find out? Well, yeah. Well, when I Google it, I get I get like a fucking um, like wiki that sounds fake. Who's Eric Thompson? Official fandom wiki. Who the fuck is this? What you view thrown so far from the light? What are you doing? (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. This says that there's a this this one fandom ericthompson.fandom.com uh, says that there's a 2024 movie uh, co-directed by him based on the thing uh, starring Jason Marsden as Mr. Mint, uh, which makes me want to swallow my tongue. To just say as words as a, a what movie? The Candyland movie 2024. Eric Thompson. There's this no looks, other source, but this yeah, one this fandom wiki. This looks fake. This is a fake wiki. What is Eric Thompson wiki? I don't know. 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 Because it's written like a movie that already exists, but a 2024 movie is not real. Like this what? is a fake. This is hang on. We we go to the homepage because this is clearly a fake wiki. But why? I don't understand the bit. I don't like the the featured article today is a random house. What's going on in this fucking wiki? I don't. I don't know. If someone knows what the fuck this is, please write in. Uh, apparently in 2012, uh, Hasbro, uh, got sued by Landmark Entertainment Group, uh, over, uh, because they wanted to make, they wanted to make a film with Adam Sandler, uh, like a live action movie, but it was directed by the Enchanted Guy and starring Adam Sandler. Uh, but then this lawsuit happened. (laughs) I um yeah I, for some reason I remember hearing that a Candyland movie has been in kind of de- not real development but like people talking about wanting to do it for as long as like Battleships the, like they made that movie and I remember hearing about this kind of at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, there is like an animated Candyland movie, but I can't stop staring at this. I know. Fucking I don't fucking know. I don't know. The, 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 when I went to the, like the I'm actual main page for this it. man, this Every main page for this. Eric Thompson Eric- is not a real person. Clearly. No, no, no. Because there's the, Eric- when you go to the Eric Thompson Canadian actor page, the third yeah. paragraph is from 2024. Thompson, also all of Tom Hanks. I'm like, what? <laughs> what? The films he have made have voice of Sheriff Woody Pride in Toy Story. I'm like, I feel like this is an AI project. I have no idea what the fuck is happening. It, Thompson like makes li- impression voice actors such as Fievel Mouskowitz in The Mouse Tale 2025. I'm like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? The, the other wiki wiki page is his home is for some reason his fucking home what i i feel like i've found the dark web and i didn't, I <laughs> yeah, didn't want to really click on it like i don't i'm gonna get a phone call later that's like seven 47 days jameson crescent twitby ontario is the official office of my office that we're on this website is, is this his website what's go- like there's clearly a bit happening here and it's yeah. a joke but i can't like identify what the joke is so yeah. it just comes off as weird it's creepy what the fuck's happening on the eric tonson official fandom wiki yeah, there are 769 pages on this wiki god um autumn writes in whenever i think about the jerk i mostly think about how gaudy and trashy the mansion is there's that green carpet on the stairs oh god it's awful what's the worst complimentary house or home in a movie uh that carpet is really funny because it looks like grass Mm -hmm. (laughs) fucks me up what's the worst house or home in a movie the apartment in Woodall and I gives me nightmares because it's so dirty. But I can't think that's of a not gaudy the, that's one. not the same thing. No, it's the not. one I get. The one I think of is uh, Debbie's like house in Adams Family Values. Oh. It's like what if what is the aesthetic inverse of the Adams Family Mansion? I like that. That's a good answer. It's all like white marble statues and is awful and cheery and bright and nasty. Yeah. 
My thing, I always hate the houses that are like way too clean, and you're like, nobody lives here. There's nothing. There's no books out. There's no like clothes. That's every like, house in every movie yes, to me. Yes, like I everything hate is I hate too them. white, too minimalist, too unlived. Fucking dress your set. <laughs> yeah, please, for the love of God. Uh, I remember thinking the house in. Uh, was that Dark Shadows, that Tim Burton movie mm-hmm. based on that TV show was like over. It was overdone in this exact way where it's like, oh, you, you tried for the Adam's Family House and you fucking missed and made something that looks awful. Oh, um, I never saw that. I did not like that movie at all. Jackson, were you saying something? No. OK. Does Wait, anyone have an answer other than me, I guess? Uh, yeah, I mean, mine are the houses that everyone gets murdered in Manhunter. <laughs> <laughs> Because uh, the movie's about him walking through like nightmarish '80s houses, going, "I sense murder in this building." <laughs> and they're all so fucking weird. It's just they're just inhuman environments. It's just weird. Yeah, uh, it's easily where my brain went to. Okay, Neve writes in literally as we were recording. Got in under the sl- sliding door. When I worked at an analog video archive, one of the tapes we digitized was rare footage of a Steve Martin stand-up routine from shortly before The Jerk, and it had the most intense example of ghosting I'd ever seen. Uh, Neve goes on to explain what ghosting is, but I don't think anyone here needs to know, already knows what ghosting is. These Im- if the you don't, th- feel bad, because I'm like, you feel guilty three of the not knowing what ghosting is. Fine. It's when the tape was wound tightly, and so the magnetic signal transferred across the wound tape, so now you see and slightly hear past and future images over the present image. Thank you. you could probably YouTube ghosting on tape and see exactly what I, what Neve's talking about. Anyway, the image of three Steve Martins slightly out of sync doing a stand-up <laughs> routine that features a number of bits from this movie is so burned into my mind now that Steve Martin always makes me think of this one tape I digitized more than any of his other more obviously famous work. Well, so that's my because question- you watch the Steve Martin ring tape. <laughs> <laughs> I would also remember that. So my question is, do you have an actor or other celebrity where the main thing you satiate them with is not any of their major films or works, but instead some obscure, hyper-specific thing that for some reason really sticks out in your head? We have not had time to, like, mull this one yeah, over. This like, came yeah, this during our conversations, I've not had any Yeah, time I haven't even... had any chance to think about it. Like, I feel like Nicole Kidman's going to be that for a generation because of those movies, pre-movie commercials she does. Oh, I think uh, when I think of... Uh, I mean, I think of Willem Dafoe all the time. I love him. But one of the iconic Willem Dafoe roles to me is Streets of Fire, which I don't think is true of most people in the world. <laughs> oh, he's so good. He's so much better than everyone else in that movie. He's incredible. <laughs> yeah, he's incredible. He understood the assignment. Yeah. Uh, I feel like all of mine is going to be when a, before a British actor broke out and became famous. Oh, yeah, famous. absolutely. Yeah, um, that's true. Andrew Garfield was in Doctor Who. Um, Wait, really? Yeah. Uh, that's weird. Are you ready for Baby Andrew Garfield and Doctor Who? No, I'm never ready for Baby Garfield. <laughs> uh, here he comes. I mean, you'll, here you go. Oh wow! Oh, he's a baby. Yeah, Man, t- 2007. Just next city on these men over here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's in 30s New York, playing like a poor <laughs> child. God. Um, yeah, obviously Olivia Colin came up earlier. Just anyone like the British actors who were on like as British TV character actors until they broke out as like famous guys. Yes, uh, is a common enough thing. That's usually where my brain would go for this kind of answer. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Simon Pegg. Uh, I don't actually have a good like. I guess I do think of Shaun of the Dead. But hey, I do think you of, know like, what? Simon Pegg not famous. I'm gonna say for sure. <laughs> but like, 
the fact that he is a fucking movie yes. star who has star- like actually starred in many massive movies and remains as like an integral guy, ma- the third most important guy in Mission Impossible. That's crazy. <sighs> he's he's fucking Simon Pegg. He's not a movie star. This is correct. You're right. He is not a movie star. <laughs> Like, if my dad was in movies, I'd be like, what's you doing here? <laughs> oh, whenever I see Bruce Greenwood, I'm like, he is the voice of Batman in Under the Red Hood. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably mine. I'm like, iconic Bruce Greenwood roles. He's a good Batman. Uh, but that's not the thing he's known for by anybody other than weirdos. <laughs> yeah. Mm, I always just think of, like, what's his name? Sam Waterston? Uh doing the old glory robot insurance SNL sketch. Like, I don't think of any of his movie roles. I don't think of TV. I think of old glory robot insurance. I have no idea what you're talking about. It's Sam just Wilson an old sketch. Sam Not- Wilson has burned into my mind as the guy from Law and Order. That's just like, yeah, all the- even I, I think of it as the guy from Law and Order. Yeah. yeah. No, I think of old glory robot insurance. Well, there you go. Uh, I guess those are our answers. Uh, that's it uh, for questions. Again, if you'd like to send in questions, abnormalmappingpodcast at gmail.com. Destiny, I don't know what you're picking. I know you have one. I'm picking a movie. Let me get the date because I want to uh, okay. have you revel in suspense, apparently. Yeah, I guess. You're I don't know why. so suspended. Um... Uh, we're going to do the 1957 Federico Fellini film, Knights of Cabiria. Oh, I've never seen that. Uh, Knights of what? Knights Knight. of Cabiria. C-A-B-I-R-I-A. Is that Na- a Muse song? <laughs> no, Knights with an N. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, uh, this is one of those... Uh, European cinema classics that I've did not absolutely not seen. I've just missed all the Fellini. I've seen some Fellini. I've seen half of eight and a half. Oh, you've seen four and a quarter. (laughs) (laughs) Don't know. Don't don't, 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 don't reward that one. No, I I object. Uh, well, I appreciated that uh, Destiny laughed at that. It was funny. I don't <laughs> care. <laughs> I've seen La Dolce Vita, but not for a long time. I think I've seen La Strada, maybe. I've seen it in half, twice. And the, the musical, uh, Nine, which is not to be confused by the animated film Nine. Oh, right. Forgot that happened. Yeah. I was confusing it with the animated film Nine. Sorry. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> um, anyway, I think I might have seen Julia the Spirits also, but a lot of that was from like in my early 20s when I was seeing a lot of movies. Um, so I'll be excited to watch that. Uh, good job. All right. That brings us to the end of this podcast. Uh, Destiny, where can people find you? At Fridge Buzz Now on twi- Twitter, Blue Sky, most places. At Jackson find me at headfuls off at twitter at blue sky and co-host uh which i mostly am still on twitter even though it sucks uh and i will i use co-host for answering questions in the ask box there because it's small enough that i can do that and not uh get random people harassing me mostly um but yeah that's where i'm on the internet you can find the podcast we do at normapping.com whole bunch of cool podcasts there 
You can find me on Twitter at em underscore Bing. You can find me on Blue Sky, which is the only other one I'm really posting on at uh, em Bing, all one word, I believe. Uh, if you'd like to support our shows, you can do that at patreon.com slash mapping For $1 a month, you get The Great Gundam Project. We're currently watching Gundam Double O and Rose of Versailles. Uh, that's been great. For $5, uh, starting in just uh, like two weeks, no, a week, Actually, it might be the same day. <laughs> now that I forgot this is in arrears. Um, the, we will be putting out the most recent blockbuster, first one in months on G.I. Joe, The Rise of Cobra. Because um, that's a Hollywood blockbuster podcast. Uh, also, every week I'm playing Fallen City Tactics. For $10, you get VoIP Life, where we talk about some bullshit. Me and Jackson are recording VoIP Life right for this. Don't know what it's about. We're going to have to figure that out. But that's all right. Um Thanks for listening. If you like the show, please share it, rate and review on iTunes. That always helps, but shares are good, especially if you're like, I think this movie podcast is better than all the other movie podcasts that aren't on eight stairwells. So you should check it out. Uh, Cause uh, honestly, I think they clear us. They also go for three hours though. And I can't do that. Um, so uh, that's it until next time. Movies now more than ever. Don't expect to like them. <laughs>